town on Wednesday. Yes. Names that we call Amen. There were about 20 other cards, I think. People took them home to grave. These are some that remain if you want to pick up a name and just take it. You don't know who they are, but there's a need. Last Wednesday, we spent about an hour just in intercession and mm-hmm. prayer. Amen. And a sweet, sweet presence of God. Yes. Was in this house. Amen. Amen. Sunday, another tremendous move of the Holy Ghost. I'm excited about what God is doing. Yes, amen. Folks, I believe that this is God's way of keeping his church strong to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I think Jesus is coming soon. How can the Lord not come soon? Amen. Everything that is going on in this world, horror after horror, and the world calls it madness. Friend, there is an outbreak of darkness. Amen. I don't believe these mass shootings are mental illness. It's called demon possession. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. I don't believe that the horrors. Did you read see the headlines? This somewhere in the Midwest, I think it was. A grandfather accused his grandson of stealing money from his wallet. And with a hammer beat him for an hour. Until he was dead. That's darkness, my friend. That's sin. Amen. That is the mindset of this world. The Lord said, When you see nation rise against nation, mm-hmm. you hear wars and rumors of wars. Amen. Father against son, son against father. Know that my coming is soon. Jesus is coming soon. Amen. Amen. And I believe the church needs to be ready for the coming of the Lord. Yes. Amen. And to that purpose, God has given us the ability to remain strong unto his coming. We're going to go right back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I feel led to keep moving through the book of First Corinthians. I say moving through it, we're creeping through it, taking our time to really delve in and explore themes that jump out of us from these scriptures. Uh, We spent quite a bit of time a couple weeks ago talking about gifts. Before we read anything further in 1 Corinthians 1, um, any questions about gifts? We didn't go through and reconcile to see with the different versions, translations we're reading, which of these might have overlap. We will as we get into chapter 12, where we really study the the description, the execution of the gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, but can you tell me the difference between wisdom and the word of wisdom? Do you remember that explanation? That makes sense? Anybody? How about word of knowledge versus knowledge? The gift is not knowledge. The gift is the word of knowledge. The gift is not Wisdom. It is the word of wisdom. And I believe, as some scholars believe, that this depicts and describes how uh, it's, it's not just wisdom. Wisdom is how to do something, what it's about. Um, knowledge is how to apply that wisdom right now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the example I brought up was. I think it's a good one of the prophet when the 
widow Zarephtha came running to him and said, my Lord, my son is dead. The prophet didn't know what to do. He didn't have a degree in advanced resurrection. <laughs> he had studies. But he had the power of God. Amen. And it's interesting when the woman approached him, she fell down and grabbed his feet, remember, started lamenting. And the reaction of the prophet's servant, what was it? You remember what his reaction was? Get her away from here. Just get away, woman. Well, that's not respectful. And the prophet said, no, stop. Her heart is burdened, and God has hidden it from me. Mm -hmm. That tells me that wisdom, God's wisdom and knowledge was at work in that prophet more often than you realize. He was able to through the gift of God, mm -hmm. ESP is called the gift of God. Mm -hmm. Just like Jesus, when he walked on this earth in his ministry, he was able to read people's thoughts. <laughs> just like that. Scripture says he knew what was in their hearts. Mm -hmm. he knew. Yeah. So, since he reads our minds, in fact, he doesn't read our minds, right? He knows what we're going to think before we Amen. even think it. Amen. Mm -hmm. That's impossible for us to understand. Yeah. Because to us, everything has to start somewhere and have a natural progression. No. God sees it before it ever begins. He knows what you're thinking right now. Oh, and the next one, and the next thought, and the next one. By the way, you know, you thought they say that every 12 seconds. <laughs> and God already knows what those thoughts so this prophet, he has this, what I think was a stream of knowledge and wisdom flowing to him. But at that moment when the woman comes, he says, God has hidden this. I was blocked from understanding what's troubling her. Let her talk. And she tells him that her son had died. Friend, he doesn't pause. Doesn't look like this from the narrative of the scripture. He feels the urgency of the moment and he immediately grabs his staff and hands it to his servant and says, Go, run, run, and put it on the face of the dead boy. Mm -hmm. You think that was just a panic reaction, a knee jerk reaction? No. At that moment, all of the knowledge in the world, this world's knowledge, wouldn't have helped him at all. But he knew what needed to be done. He understood the situation and God gave him a specific instruction set for the moment. Go. Put the staff on the dead boy's face. I'll be right there. You know the story. When he gets there, the boy's still dead. What good was the staff? I don't know. But God knows. Mm -hmm. God gave him that instruction. That dead boy was not so dead, but God can't raise him from the dead. Mm -hmm. Sure enough, as the prophet stretches out on that child, hands on him, feet on feet, mouth on his mouth, and he prays. And suddenly, that young boy sneezes seven times. Sometimes, something about that number seven. Lots of numbers. He's seen seven times, and now he's alive. 
You tell me how you can do that without the best oxygenation, compressions, chest compressions, adrenaline, paddles and shocks. Amen. And that prophet knew precisely what to do and how to do it for that moment. Would that have worked with the next dead boy? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> you encounter a dead person, lie down and breathe into their mouth, put your hands on the hands. Is it going to work? Could, but probably not. This, unless God's in it, right? This situation, it was a very specific, here's what you're going to do. Here's how you're going to do it. And it worked. Not something to be repeated. It's not a commodity. Put a coin in the machine. Look, back from the resurrection. No. God Amen. gave not just wisdom, but a word. And it's word of knowledge. <laughs> you know what to do and then how to do it in that moment. So, interesting how the, the gifts work. Um, have you ever. <sighs> I know you have, but it's a tough question. Have you ever heard someone give a message in tongues? Mm -hmm. Have you ever known what language those tongues are in? Most of the time we don't, because there are many tongues. Remember Paul says, Lord, speak with the tongue of what? A man and of angels. So sometimes it can be earthly tongue, sometimes it can be Heavenly tongue, we don't know. But um, I've I've actually encountered this and it's like the hair stand up on the back of your neck. Um, as far as the speaking or giving a gift and a message in tongues, everything that cost church back in the 1980s, I think. I was a very small kid then growing up. Um, and I heard the stories of uh, how God and God was tremendously strong in that church at that time. And there was one night I was told of, I wasn't there, when um, someone gave a message in tongues and people worshiped God and you know, his church kept on. And after church, someone who was visiting, who was a scholar, a professor in Germanic languages, he asked someone else, so where did that person learn High German? High German is a very old and difficult dialect of German. He said, where did that person learn High German? He said, I've never heard it spoken outside of academic circles, as I recall. No one had taught that person those tongues. But God spoke through them in perfect high German. Now, when church was done, could that person speak high German? Because it's a gift. It's an operation of the Spirit. Not a general knowledge or wisdom. It's something that happens right now through this place. I told you I experienced this. It was similar, but uh, certainly just as glorious. 
I remember, I again, just a, a young child, it really didn't dawn on me when I was there, because I was bilingual in Peru, where practically no one spoke English, and certainly not the those of Indian descent up in the mountain areas that come down to the capital city and unlearned, unschooled, sweet people, tremendous hearts, but no education. Very good. <laughs> Um, to me, it was just, you know, we speak English at home, Spanish in the church, no big deal. But there was that night, and I remember precisely where that girl was. I could see in my mind right now. I was a 14 or 15 year old young woman kneeling, quietly praying the Holy Ghost was powerful in that house. And someone came over, grabbed my dad, and said, Come listen to this. And of course, when dad went and we went, and that young girl was speaking in perfect, beautiful, accentless English. And she said, Jesus, I love you. You are my heavenly father. Perfect English. She'd received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And she was speaking in tongues. She didn't understand. Understand the gift of tongues, as in the messages, communication of tongues, is not the same as receiving the power of the Holy Ghost. But the source is the same. It's the Spirit of God. What is the initial evidence when they received the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost? What happened to them? And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake. God gave the utterance. The utterance to speak. So that same spirit that seals us with redemption, fills us with power, and gives us that initial sign through speaking with tongues can also then give us the gift of tongues for the operation of spirit. Not to be confused, though, there are two different operations. But this young girl, just absolutely glorious, beautiful. English, and to hear her just quietly worshiping God, and to hear the Spirit of God speaking through her, identifying Jesus as the Heavenly Father. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. The church was over because that girl speaking God is amazing. And the gifts that he gives, how he uses those gifts for his glory, amazing. God did not give people the gift of healing to fill cavities. God did not give people the gift of healing to be a charlatan, to put on a show, and to wow you. The person that tries to draw attention to their gift Either the false prophet and a liar, or so far from God, you need to run away. These gifts are not meant to build us up. They're not meant to glorify us. They're meant to convict the heart of sinners. They're meant to minister to those who are in need. They're meant to strengthen the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you try to get famous over a gift that God gives you, shame you. Amen. That's right. Amen. Got a lot of tangents here. I've known the charlatan, 
And I've known the truly gifted one who has gone away from God. Mm -hmm. And the end result is the same. It's blasphemy against God. It's, it's misery. It's, it's a, besmirches the name of Jesus Christ. You might ask, why doesn't God just take away the gift? Because the gifts and the calling of God I know that's talking about Israel in the very narrow sense, but I do believe it also applies to the gifts that God gives us. Mm -hmm. God doesn't just take away gifts because of <coughs> Are there people out there healing that used to know God and don't know God now? Better believe it. Friend, you need to use the gifts that God gives you for the glory of God. Faith, healing, encouragement, discerning of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues, miracles, administration. I believe helps in administration are probably the same different translations. Uh, serving in ministry may be the same. Teaching, giving, giving is a gift. Amen. I know man grew up in that same church and everything that possible keeps me. Um, this man Last time I saw him was at my grandfather's funeral in 1970. He rolled into the cemetery in the biggest black Mercedes he's ever seen. Gorgeous guy. He lived in a mansion. He was one of the richest insurance brokers in Houston, Texas. You know how he got to be there? He was in church with his wife one night. Missionary was preaching. And the missionary spoke of a need. <laughs> when a thousand dollars was <laughs> back in the 70s, 80s, that would have been easily $25,000. And he leaned over and he nudged his wife to the middle church. And he said, God just talked. Yeah. She's like, yeah, sure. I told me I need to do a thousand dollars. God faith. So her husband said, God told you to do it. Do it. That man gave a thousand dollars. That's like emptying your savings, your life savings, maybe. He gave. They both together gave by faith. One thing led to another. For God would prompt his heart and say, give. And he would open his checkbook and give. And he gave and he gave. <coughs> but my friend, you can't outgive God. Amen. And the more he gave, the more God gave him. So when he rolled into a cemetery with a big black Mercedes just coming from his mansion, my friend, that was peanuts compared to what he had given to the kingdom of God. Amen. He was a man over whom money held no power. Money is not the root of all evil. What is the root of all evil? Love of money. A lot of money is the root of all evil. It's not bad to have money. God bless money. Amen. But the moment it holds a power over you, uh -huh. you're now a slave. Uh -huh. 
and trying to give that money away. <sighs> this man called Dicky Thompson, he, money had no power. Why? Because God had given him a gift of giving. And he learned through the anointing power of the Holy Ghost to turn his money his money into a blessing. And it became more like here. That's what, here. And the more God gave, you can't hold it when God starts opening the windows of heaven and pouring out blessings. He got as much as he could and passed it on. A friendly blessing just came raining down around him. And he died a wealthy man. But not this world. He was wealthy. Because of his gift of giving. I thank God for generous people. I thank God for the cheerful giver. Absolutely. Amen. But I've known very few people in this world who have the gift. Yeah. All these others. Amen. We'll be right up in chapter 12. All right. Why did I go there? So we said we would give it was in chapter one and verse uh, verse seven. You have the first Corinthians chapter one, verse seven. Let's read. Now you have every spiritual gift you need. So I reminded you of this. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 8. He will keep you strong. I'm going to go to the King James so we can read that. Got a King James read that with me. Verse 8. Who shall also confirm you unto the end. Same thing, just different words. Who shall also confirm you unto the end that you may be blameless in the day of of our Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Looking translation says he will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame in the day when Jesus, our Lord Jesus Christ returns. He will keep you strong. King James says he will confirm you unto the end that you may be blameless. So the gifts that God gives us I intended to do what? To do what? To keep us strong. To keep us strong until what day? Until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who will stand in that day at the coming of our Savior? Anyone? I hope I will too. But in general, who will stand? <laughs> the righteous, the saved, the justified. Oh, see, I'm not the only one that says justified means justice. The blameless, the justified, the, the righteous will be able to stand in that day. They're the only ones that will stand in that day. Mm -hmm. Even then, we're going to be on our faces till he calls us before his judgment. 
But then he'll say, well done, good, faithful servant. Yeah, enter the joy of the Lord. So, the Spirit's gifts to us are intended to make us strong and keep us blameless. I was thinking, how can someone be not guilty but still have blame? The best thing that came to mind is probably a very poor example. Maybe this will help spark some creative juices for you. Imagine you're driving along and coming up beside you is a motorcycle. And you in the lanes and did all the crazy things with someone that crashed it. And that motorbike swerves in front of you and loses control and falls on the ground and you run smack over. They investigate, traffic camera show everything. They say, not guilty, no charges left. That's a good thing, right? But who caused that man's death? It was my car. I was driving it. You can argue it was the motorbike. Yeah, we can argue all this back and forth. But ultimately, who was driving the vehicle that ran over and killed that man? And who's going to have nightmares the rest of their life? The driver. No guilt, but blame. Warranted or not, you're blaming yourself. And others say, if you can manage, have the drugs, don't cast blame on you. You can be absolutely. Not guilty, but carry blame. And that's what the devil tries to do all the time. Mm -hmm. When he walks in the heavens, and yes, he still has access to the very throne of God. And God, I think, kind of rolls his eyes and say, Oh, you're back again, huh? Yeah. What are you doing now? Where have you been? I was walking down by Job's house. The devil comes to. Now, if you're living in sin and the devil accuses you, you know what God's going to say? Yeah, they need to repent. But if the devil accuses you of something A, you've never done, or B, something that's already under the blood of Jesus Christ, I'm going to stop the devil from accusing you. Right? Mm-hmm. Amen. The devil's job is to accuse you, to try to run you down, try to destroy you. But, friend, if it's under the blood of Jesus Christ, if the devil brings up that past sin, I believe God says, move on, devil. That's already been litigated and settled. Not only are they not guilty, they have no blame attached. They are new creatures in Christ. Amen. Thank God that when we stand before Jesus Christ, he is able to keep us strong and present us blameless unto Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. I don't want to barely 
claw my way into heaven, just barely make it. I want to be able to stand tall, Brother Robbie, and say, I worship you, or thank you for saving me. And I want to hear him without any hesitation say, I love you. Come on. I've been waiting for you. Come on in. Mm -hmm. Instead of that awkward. And God is able to keep us strong unto the end mm -hmm. and present us blameless. Yeah. Oh, what a glorious promise. My friend, you don't Amen. need to settle or almost just barely making it to heaven. You need to get a mindset of overcoming. You need to get a mindset, I'm a child of God. Hallelujah. You need to get a mindset, I am washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. You need to get a mindset, yes, I don't care what you lie to me, devil. I am blameless in the sight of God. Don't say I'm not guilty. We already know that we're not guilty. He's forgiven us. But friend, look the devil in the eye and say, I am blameless. Hallelujah. You have nothing the Lord reminded me as I was thinking about this that remember a man named Caleb what was the story of Caleb what stood out pardon me he was one of the spies, and he was one of the two that said, yes, God will give us this land. Don't listen to these other naysayers. But Israel listened to the other naysayers, and they suffered just penalty for how many years? Forty years in the wilderness. And after the 40 years of wandering, they enter into the promised land. They're beginning to see the victories unfolding before them. And what about Caleb? Caleb sent a delegation to Joshua. Said so Joshua, I need to remind you of something. If you haven't read that story in one, it is in the book of Joshua. Chapter 14. Caleb said, Your Lord, Moses, promised me. Just now, forty years ago, when I was believing God that this land would be ours, Moses made me a promise: this land is yours, not just any land. This mountain is yours. What was unique about that mountain? It was the home to giants. Caleb didn't go pick the sheep farms. On the lowlands, Caleb said, I want a tough job. I want the mountain and I want the giants. And he sent the delegation to Joshua. He said, Behold, today I am 85 years old. And I am as strong today as the day when Moses made me his cross. And his words, give me this mountain. Friend Caleb took that mountain through the power of God. But his words, I am as strong today 
at 85 as I was 40, 45 years ago. How many can say that you're fully as strong? Some of you are near 40. Don't even answer. <laughs> How many of us <clears throat> mature people can say that we are fully as strong, as capable, as agile as we were 40, 45 years ago? Anyone? No. Life takes its toll. Age takes its toll. Gravity takes its toll. But Taylor said, God has preserved me. The same God that didn't let our shoes wear out in the desert. The same God that didn't let our garments rot on our backs. The same God that gave us food and water every day in the desert. Forty years we wandered and God provided. The same God that preserved our shoes and he preserved our clothes and he preserved the manna from heaven. The same God has preserved me and I am as strong today as I was 45 years ago. For the promise in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 is that you and I can be as strong in the very last day as we were the first time God filled us with the power of the Holy Ghost and washed us in the blood of Jesus Christ. And we were born into the kingdom of God, new creation in Christ. For I want to be as strong on that day. Yes. Amen. That's the first time I tasted the new one. Amen. I don't want to be beaten down. The church of this age is not aging well, my friends. Did you hear me? Amen. The church is not aging well. The church is being infiltrated and moved and changed by the powers of this age. And who wants to be canceled next? No, I don't want to be. I don't care if the world cancels me. As long as God accepts me, that's where I want to be. Hallelujah. I don't want myself. I don't want you. I don't want this church to be weakened. Amen. And broken. And passed together. I barely make it into heaven. No, I want to go to glorious. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to go to heaven as strong as the first time he filled me with the baptism of the Holy Hallelujah. I don't want to have anything wearing me down in my spirit. I don't want this church to barely make it to heaven. I want us to claim that promise. I want us to be as strong today or that day as we were Amen. And he gives the promises right there. Mm-hmm. He will confirm us, or is the new in the which it says, keep us strong that you may be born of us the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God for gifts. Because these gifts that give us the ability to remain strong. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. All right, let's move quick. Verse 9, God is faithful. Can you say that? Amen. God, God is, is faithful. faithful. Oh, I can reach all right on that. Amen. Amen. God is faithful. By whom you were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ. Oh, God. Aren't you glad we have? Amen. Yes, amen. 
We don't get a five-minute visit with a celebrity to get an autograph. We have fellowship. We're part of his family. Amen. We can just show up in the presence of God. We don't have a special invitation. Oh, we don't have to call in and say, God, Jesus. we're going to have service tonight. Can we please have an outpouring of hope? No. We just walk in and God's here. Hallelujah. Amen. We have fellowship yes. with Jesus Christ our Lord. Hallelujah. It's a privilege to be a child of God. Amen. Heirs and co-heirs with Jesus Christ. Now, he switches gears. These first nine verses quickly summarize. He, Paul uh, identifies himself, sets his authority, if you will. I'm called uh, to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. We've studied that. Um, to the church of God, which is a corn. Thank God this is God's church, not Kyle Nix's church, Amen. not anyone else's church. It's God's church. Amen. Amen. You are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. Wow. He talks about our salvation. He talks about the the honor and the anointing that God has given us. Um, he then mentions the verse 5, we are enriched by him in all utterance and all knowledge. Testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. Friend, we're not just trying to figure this mm -hmm. out and make it up as we go along. We are walking in truth and in knowledge of the, our relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Has anyone in here ever started a church? I know you have. I thought start a church. What's the first thing you do when you start a church? Yeah. Ever thought about it? Pray. Some might say pray. Some might say find a building. Some might say put a sign up. Some might start a church by the will of God. Mm -hmm. It has to be the will of God. The will of God leads to calling, and the word of will of God leads to anointing, and the will of God begins to open doors. Right? It, it's not an easy thing to start a church, plant a church, grow Amen. a church. But you know what? We are enriched by Him. The testimony of Christ was confirmed in us. I've known a lot of people who are ordained ministers. You know where the other nation? Mm -hmm. On the internet. You can go on the internet for free. Some places. Other places are very nominal fee. And you can sign up and sign a little pledge and now you're ordained. Just because you have a certificate saying you're an ordained minister, does that make you a minister of the gospel no. of Jesus Christ? No. No, my friend. Don't trust a piece of paper on a wall saying, ordained minister. Do I have one of those? Yeah. Does that paper make me an ordained minister? Absolutely not. Anyone can start a church, quote unquote. Anyone can rent a building, put a sign out, and sing some songs and preach some, some words and become a church. The testimony of Christ needs to be confirmed in this place. I don't want you to believe that this is a church because I'm here or because Elder Smith is here or because of the battles back there. I don't want you to believe in this church because we have a, a Zoom streaming and we have some uh, sermons uploaded on the web so we're, we're, we're efficient. No. 
You need to come into this house and be confirmed in the testimony of Christ. Amen. The Holy Ghost needs to confirm in your heart this is a church. Not just a church, but a church. Mm -hmm. God's church. Friend, when you find that confirmation of the Holy Ghost, embrace it. I shall do it. Because there are a lot of places out there that even call themselves churches and have no testimony. Amen. Amen. Those are gathering places. Do I knock them or try to bring them down? Nope. You know what Paul said? There are a lot of people who are preaching out of envy and jealousy. And for personal gain. Do you know what he said? He said, at least the word of God is being preached. Are they going to have the gifts and the power and the rewards? No. You know what? Thank God that the word of God is being preached. I don't say go shut down every Baptist, every Methodist, every uh, Catholic, every anyone else who doesn't preach the same message we do, no, my friend. I thank God that at least the word of God is being preached, and I pray that somehow the testimony of Christ will be revealed and people see the truth that they need to see. I'm not going to ask that God shut down everyone. What do the disciples come and say? Lord, this guy over here, he's, he's, he's preaching in your name. He's number one of us. Tell him to shut up. Lord saying, no, no, I have flux that you don't know about. If they're not against us, they're for us. Does that mean that we can just go to any church and be saved? No, no, no. I'm not telling you, justify every church that doesn't preach all the truth, no. But I thank God that at least something of the word <coughs> is being sung. Amen. And the true testimony of Christ can cause that seed to come alive. And Jesus can say, Amen. Amen. I am just way out of the Alright. So he opens this chapter. He, he confirms his authority. He talks about us, the church, and the blessing and power and the gifts and the promise of being kept strong and blameless. Mm-hmm. And then he comes to verse 10 and says, Okay, now let's get out of business. Ready? We've said some really fantastic things about the mysteries of God. Now, let's talk turkey. Now, I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. What I've often said. If God tells us something, it's fine. Amen. Right. When the word of the Lord comes and talks about sin, don't brush it off and say, ah, oh, that's for somebody else. A friend of the word of the Lord is talking to you about sin. You need to listen mm-hmm. to the message of the Holy Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. May hurt. But there's a reason the word of God says what it does. Because there's a need that drove this word of God. 
Amen. The Corinthian church was riddled with divisions. They didn't call it divisions. They called it discipleship. It's funny how the devil can convince us to take evil things and cloak them, dress them up in fancy descriptions, make it sound good. They call this discipleship. Let's read. Now I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you. Oh, don't tell me there are divisions. There are divisions. Mm -hmm. Amen. But that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Friend, if he tells you to become perfectly joined together, you're not perfectly joined together. True mm -hmm. hearts, as we used to say. There's a reason why God gave his word. The Corinthian church was rife with division under the guise of discipleship. Verse 11, for I've been declaring unto me of you, my brethren. He's not being accusatory. He's not beating them up. He says, you're my brethren. I love you. We're family. But i got to talk to you straight. I then which are in the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. First he uses the word division. Then he uses the word contention. New Living Translation, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church, rather be a one mind united thought and purpose. For some members of Chloe's household have told me about your quarrels. Oh, they're not divisions. Just don't get along sometimes. <laughs> Called quarreling. Did Paul say quarreling was a good thing in the church? <laughs> yep. No problem. There are contentions among you. Now, this I say, every one of you says. Again, don't sit back and say, Pastor's talking to somebody else. Dustin Smith is preaching to somebody else. Elder Jim's preaching somebody else. It happens preaching. No, we're not preaching to somebody else. We're preaching to us and we're preaching to you. Amen. I say that every one of you says, Paul, of Simon of Apollos, of Cephas. And then the super spiritual thing. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Let's break it down real quick, shall we? About 15 minutes. Let's break it down. What's wrong with that statement right there? Was Paul something to be ashamed of? Someone to be ashamed of? No. Uh, how about um, Apollos? Apollos, anyone to be ashamed of? Quilla mm -hmm. Priscilla said, This man preaches with eloquence. They showed him the better way. Hadn't heard about baptism in Jesus' name. They talked to him about Jesus, his sacrifice, 
And from all we can see, Apollos accepted, and he's considered a peer of Paul. Paul's nobody to be ashamed of. Who's Cephas? Peter. Peter, anyone to be ashamed of? Nope. Excuse me, who has the keys to the kingdom? Peter. That Peter. That's Cephas. I'm a Christ. Is Christ anyone to be ashamed of? No. Why is this statement about everything that was wrong with the Corinthian church? Yeah, he told us. For the most part, they were following men instead of followers. Three out of four were following men. That's a good point. But I think Paul gives us the answer in the first two verses. He says, first of all, I hear that there are what among you? Yeah, there's some among you. What's one divided by four? What? One, one divided by four is what? One fourth. Point two five. Is that your answer? My easy answer is it is a division. That's a division. It's no longer one. What was one is now broken. Separate. You break a dollar for me. What do you get? You break a dollar for the rock. Hundred pennies. Hundred pennies. Go on, get extreme, old school. Hundred pennies a dollar? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Drop a dollar. Can you pick it up easy? Drop a hundred pennies. How long will it take you? You may not even find them. Why? Because they're broken up and they're separate. Nothing holding them together except that little sleeve of paper or your hot sweaty palm, and if you drop it, it's gone. Some churches are held together by nothing more than human effort. Mm-hmm. There's a place up on the hill. It used to be called Parapple County. Remember Parapple County? Yeah, I live there. You're aging yourself just like me. That's a long time ago. Crapple County Fair existed about 20, 20 years ago. We moved there the last year before it broke up. There you go. Crapple County Fair was a fun little fun park. Then it went out of business. And then, next thing you know, Church. It's a church. What was the church called? It had so many names here to Michael Mothers. Okay, a lot of names. <laughs> I can't remember the first name. But friend, overnight it became a mega church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. About 2,500 people. Mm-hmm. It had famous named preachers through there. It had television shows and exposure around the globe. What's there now? A place to life. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's still a church or something. <laughs> As I saw most of that property could turn into a storage lot. Toyota. 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 Mm-hmm. Toyota. There's a nursery on the hill there. What happened? 
That church was held together by human effort. It was held together by fame. It was held together by fancy preaching. It was held together by crack bands and music. Mm-hmm. And the words that, oh, that feels good. Yeah, tickle my ears. <laughs> Anyone have a dog? Does your dog like that? Oh, yeah. Is your dog like that? Your scratch. <laughs> Our dogs are real like scratch pretty much always sometimes. But what happens when a dog just kind of starts scratching you? Yeah. Just keep scratching. The bottom of his belly bumps. Mm-hmm. But tighter. Well, I'll never ask say no more belly bumps. <laughs> the more you rub his belly, the happier that dog is. And people flock to places like the church up there, which is weird, mm-hmm. held together by human hands, mm-hmm. held together by things that are so fragile mm-hmm. that roll pennies. Don't. <laughs> They picked up what they could, but there was only like 45 out of 100 left. And they kept on doing the same thing, making the same mistakes over. Mm-hmm. And 45 pennies fell, and they picked up 30. And 40 pennies fell, and they picked up 22. And the picture was gone. When a church begins, to separate themselves, segregate themselves by any shape, form, or fashion. I don't care what the measurement is. Let's be spiritual, shall we? How long have you known the Lord? How long have you known the Lord? Man, they be six years old. Work on eighty-seven. Long time. With that, how long do you know the Lord? Thirty years. Oh, Okay. Uh, my wife and I certainly fall into that category. Sister Sullivan. Yeah. We're up about how long you know the Lord. But ten years since he's one of the So let's have a spiritual life. Let's have a Only those who serve the Lord over 30 years can join the Lord. <laughs> oh, it's a good thing. We're just celebrating that we serve the Lord over 30 years. It's an awesome thing. You know what I'm saying? You're 15 years. <laughs> Am I right? Mm-hmm. Yes. We start separating ourselves. Oh, it's a good thing. We're, we're, we're celebrating what's happened. Well, maybe we are, but we're also separating ourselves from the 15-year class. Mm-hmm. Or the 10-year class. Or the 29-year class. What's the harm with that, Pastor? Well, then we start wondering, you know what? Such Virginia, I'm just many things like that. Such Virginia, she gives a lot of money to the church. 
screwed onto the ends of the pews. Come on. Mm-hmm. We've been in old churches with wooden <laughs> pews. What do those plaques say for the freeman on the end of every pew? Reserved for? Different members? Or the bishops or something? Typically the ones I've seen reserved for Maybe it's just one guy that's a whole few. <laughs> and the next few reserved for the battlefield. You know why? Because they care so much. They're amazing supporters of this church. Uh, the next few back, go down the list, right? Does that promote giving? Can it? Because people like to have their name on a plaque on the end of here. Why do you give ten dollars or how much was it? Like Fifty dollars to the university hospital. Fifty dollars. No. Twenty-five dollars. Why do you give twenty-five dollars to university hospital? What is that wall called? Or the wall called? It's a memorial wall. A memorial wall. There you go. Give us twenty-five dollars for this memorial wall. Do most people give that $25 to help whatever cause is supposed to be supported by that? They give so they get their name on one of the bricks on the wall. So yeah, it can promote giving, but what giving? Giving for the right purpose? No. It's giving for the sake of getting your name up on a wall somewhere. We can promote giving by having a competition. Spence, you give us a thousand dollars, we'll put your name on the back of that chair, and that's your threat. <laughs> Sister Sullivan, you give us twelve hundred. We'll give you two chairs. <laughs> we can promote giving. Oh, we can rake in some money. Mm-hmm. And then when someone walks in church and tries to sit down, Brother Raphael says, <clears throat> It's my chair. <laughs> How long are people going to feel welcome in the house of God? Uh, and people see through that really, really quick. You hear me? Mm-hmm. These are some silly examples of you, but real life, unfortunately. Um, anytime we begin to divide the church, Even though we put spiritual labels on them, I'm just saying, 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 I'm just saying
Jesus. I follow Jesus Christ. Yeah. And what you just said is somehow you're more spiritual than all of the rest. Mm-hmm. Do we divide ourselves because we want to be the same? Makes no sense, right? Why do we divide ourselves? Because we want to be different. We want to be separate. Is anyone in the room willing to admit that they're one of those when you get a plate of food? You've got pork chop and you've got mashed potatoes and you've got corn. You'll eat the corn first. That's the mashed potatoes. Pork chop. And then you'll eat the mashed potatoes. And then you eat the pork chop. Does anyone admit to doing something like that? <gasps> God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> Would you have a plate that's all squished together? What about those plates with dividers? Are those good? Yeah, because of dividers, the cardinal, the Except they're called dividers. They're called dividers. Dividers do not blend you together, dividers keep you apart. I don't care how you divide it. I'm going to be radical. I'm sorry if I offend anybody, but this is me. I do not support our church organization who has a focus on Asian ministries and a focus on Latin ministries and a focus on black ministries and a focus on Every other kind of division you can find in the church. I'm sorry. My spirit says it is not a good thing when we deny ourselves. Amen. We can be more effective. Can we? We have a Hispanic ministry. I'll join because I can speak Spanish. Raised Hispanic. I don't know how to do in there. So all oh, people have Hispanics. We have some blacks. God bless you. We got some whites. God bless you. We have Asians. God bless them. We all have different services. How's that? Monday nights, Asian night, Tuesday nights, Hispanic night, Wednesday nights, black night, Thursday nights, white night, Friday night is I don't know what night. Do you think God's going to bless that, my friend? No. Nope. I'm sorry. I don't want to be radical, but my heart tells me God loves unity. God brings Amen. us together. Hallelujah. Amen. The dividers keep us apart. Divisions weaken us. They don't make us stronger. They weaken us. I thank God, and I am honest as God knows my heart. When I preach to this church, I don't see skin color. I don't sit there and calculate how many Hispanics or Blacks or Whites. I don't care. You know what? I love you, and I'm so delighted that you're a brother and sister in Christ. And you know what? You wouldn't feel the glorious unity and power in worship. We are having a tremendous time. Yes, hallelujah. Amen. 
you walk in the house of God, it can be chill bumps. The way people are praying together and the way the praises are lifted up and it's just like one thing flows into another, friend. It's not anything I'm doing, not anything you're doing. God's doing it all, but he's able to do that because we are jointly joined together. We are blended together in Jesus Christ. Amen. Any division weakens us. There are a lot of parts on that airplane. Hmm. A friend and I, 32,000 feet above the ground. I don't want to look out that window and see one part going this way, one part going that way. <laughs> I want that thing to hold together. Amen. Amen. And I don't want to see this church going in different directions. I don't want God help us to grow. God help us to be as large or as small as he wants us to be. But friend, I don't care how large or how small we are. God forbid that we should ever begin to divide. Amen. Amen. Separate ourselves to be more effective. How we fool ourselves. I hear there are divisions among you. And you want divisions now? They turn into quarrels. Tell the will of God. No. The will of God is that you be one. That you be one. Just like Jesus prayed, Father, like you and I are one. I pray that these be one with us. Amen. I'm fired up, friend, but I'm telling you, I've seen the divisions of this world. We live in a world of division. Amen. You don't live in politics of inclusion, my friend. It's all about division. Amen. It's Amen. Amen. It's not just in the world. It's in the church's world. Mm -hmm. Every one of you says, I'm a Paulus. I'm a Paulus. I'm Cephas. I'm Christ. Verse 13. What's the question? Christ divided. Is Christ divided? Say that with me, please. Is, is Christ, Christ divided? divided? And so the question is, is he divided? No. No, he's not divided. For the only time he came close to being divided was as he hung across his Calvary. And he said, Father, why have you forsaken? Did his flesh separate from the spirit of the separate the flesh of that moment of sin pressing on him made him feel the isolation of sin. Not just one sin, or one sin, but the sins of the whole world were on him. And at that moment, he felt as if the presence of God had forsaken him. Eli, Eli, not myself. Oh, that was a glorious moment in redemption. Was that amen. a glorious thing to watch? It's heartbreaking. Yes, amen. Is Christ divided? No, my friend. Christ is not divided. Amen. Takes a step further. Was Paul crucified for you? Was Paul crucified for you? No. Was Elder Jim crucified for you? No. 
Sister Victoria, were you crucified for anybody? No. no. Christ was crucified Amen. for Amen. us. Were you baptized in the name of Paul? No. You better not have been. Amen. Because <laughs> there's only one name under heaven given among men whereby we must, must be, be saved at the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow. Every yes. tongue shall confess yes. that Jesus yes. Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Hallelujah. Amen. You were not baptized in Paul's name. How can you say, I made an apostle of Paul? Mm -hmm. There's some really big name preachers in Pentecost in the apostolic movement, friend. Don't let me ever hear you say, I'm a follower of Urshan. I'm a disciple of Phil and Blake. You are. You divided yourself in Christ. That's right. Amen. I think God, Paul says, verse 14, that I baptize none of you. Understand the context. When he's writing this, mm -hmm. is Paul saying that he's glad he didn't have to baptize anybody? No. I'm glad, and I thank God that I baptized none of you, but except Christmas and Gaius, lest anyone should say that I have baptized in my own name. And then he says, Whoa, whoa, whoa. I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Like that, I don't know what I baptized in the other 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Sometimes, see, their baptism is not important. No, understand the context of what he's saying. You need to be baptized. Amen. If you're not baptized in Jesus' name, you need to be baptized. Amen. He commanded them to be baptized in the name Amen. of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Oh, Paul, again, understand the context. He says, some of you say, I'm a, I'm a disciple of Paul. No, you're not. Was Paul crucified for you? No. no. Were you baptized in the name of Paul? No. No. And in fact, he said, he starts counting up, gave Christmas, uh, all the house of Stephanus. I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you. That isn't important. He's not saying I'm glad that I didn't have to do this job. No. He's saying I'm glad somebody else baptized you. I don't want you to be looking at me as something to be followed. I don't want people to walk through that door and say, oh, Pastor Mason's church. Oh, oh, I, I, I want him to baptize me. Does that happen? Yes. Have I baptized some? Yes. Overall, whether that may in the last several years, how many have I baptized versus you and others baptizing? Not a whole lot. Is it because I get tired of baptizing people? I believe the church needs to operate as the church. And I believe that I need to be able to lay hands on people and empower them to do the work of the kingdom. And in my stead, I've asked Elder Appley and others to baptize people on my behalf, on God's behalf. Amen. If you come and say, I want to be baptized, and it's not valid unless Pastor Nick baptizes me, you have not repented. <laughs> Amen. Because you haven't believed either. And if you haven't believed, you can't repent. Amen. 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 If you come saying that your baptism has to be performed by a certain person in a certain place, there are some people who say, 
I don't know. Be baptized in the Otherwise, it's not bad. Because that's why Jesus was baptized. So I have to be baptized in the Jordan. Did Peter say unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you of the Jordan River in the name of Jesus Christ? No. <laughs> the place you're baptized doesn't matter. I've baptized in creeks. I've baptized in old stock tanks. I've baptized in bathtubs. I've baptized in the spirit of the baptistry that only my built in his lifetime. Water doesn't matter. Does it have to be water? It does. Mm -hmm. Does it say to baptize in water? But baptism is tradition in water. All you have is five hundred gallons of milk. Somebody's be baptized. Can you baptize in milk? Jesus. 
and the disciples of John came to John's and John did not take. Everyone was following Jesus. And I love those words of John. The one that came back, he was before me. And even though he came after me, he's greater than I am. In fact, he's so much greater. I'm not worthy to even bend down and tie his shoelaces. The disciples, you've got to understand, I was a superstar. I'm John Baptist. Jesus himself says, no greater prophet has ever lived than John Baptist. Mm-hmm. Any words? John says, guys, you've got to understand. It was always intended that Jesus would come. I'm the voice crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way, Lord. And when he comes, as he came, he said it was necessary. He Amen. John Baptist went from superstar to nobody like that. John Baptist went from crowds following him to his head on a platter in a prison cell. Did he complain? We had to work through some doubts. But his message is I don't matter. Jesus matters. I don't need the attention. Jesus needs the attention. I don't need the fame or recognition. Jesus needs the fame and recognition. Forget what separates us. Put it in the presence of Jesus Christ. Friends like taking piles of ice and setting it in the presence of the hot fire. All my life is just mesh. The only thing left is there's It's just Christ. Bring your pride. Bring your swagger. Bring your everything that makes you who you are. That's fine. Pray when you walk into this house, place it in the feet of Jesus Christ. All that you are melt away until you are nothing but a child of God. I know I'm not just the Folks, we've got to be a God. Jesus. Let there be no patience. No No separation. No classification. Nothing that would divide. People see unity in Christ. They see Christ. Blessing Jesus. Mm-hmm.